Welcome to the Crypto Pro Show, hosted by Stacy T. Turner. Mr. Turner is an institutional crypto consultant, crypto fund manager, and author of the Crypto Pro newsletter and the book Tiptoe into Crypto. Prior to committing to crypto, Mr. Turner was ranked a top three trader in the USA by Bloomberg and traded over $10 billion per year as a principal owner of several hedge funds and broker-dealers. His insights begin right this minute. Everyone is talking about inflation right now. Whether you're in the market for a home, a car, or just some chicken wings, the prices of goods and services are obviously climbing. U.S. inflation surged in October for the largest yearly increase since 1990, according to the new data we just received from the Labor Department. Wholesale prices rose by 8.6% compared to September 2020. That is the largest increase on record. It Well, it matches the largest increase on record. Um, this is not just happening in the United States, by the way. Scandinavia, Australia, the United Kingdom, France, Argentina, Poland, Brazil, and many other countries are seeing the price of goods and services climb. Unfortunately, here in the United States, it isn't just weapons, booze, and opioids that are going up in price. It is daily necessities. So let's talk about how this affects you as an American and how we might be able to escape or at least hedge against it to some degree. First, about inflation. It's very simple. The price of goods and services are rising and the governments have to decide what to do. If they raise interest rates, they will have higher debt to pay to their debtors after issuing new bonds at that higher interest rate. If they don't, as money supply goes up, prices continue to go up. So as interest rates remain very, very low, it's easy to get cash, it's easy to buy things, it's easy to uh, get a loan for a mortgage, which drives housing prices up. Just for example, it's easy to buy a car. Um, you can get almost zero, well, you can't get zero financing. So basically free money to, to buy a car. And that's what uh, drives prices up. So there you go. Um, in terms of the report that came out and what is, is uh, causing this um, inflation, it's things that we need every day. For example, energy. The entire sector, including electricity and utilities, was up 30% this year. Gas by the gallon cost 6.1% more in October than in September and almost 50% more than a year ago. So fuel... Oil in general spiked 12% for the month and almost 60%, 59.1% for the year. Now that is almost certainly to affect heating costs heading into the winter. Automobiles, definitely driving inflation, pun intended. Used cars and trucks were the outlier at 26.4% jump over the past year, but um, some of that uh, in the new car sector, at least, was was caused by semiconductor chip shortages, uh, which, you know, you can attribute a lot of that to um, supply chain disruptions. But uh, it nevertheless is coming at a tough time and driving inflation with all automobiles, food and groceries. I think uh, everyone can see what's going on there when you go to the, the store, particularly with meat and other protein sources, the overall food index rose 5.3% year over year, 
but for meat, poultry, figs, fish, and eggs, it was up 11.9%, and beef was the highest, up 20.1%, and pork was 14.1%. Housing, shelter in general, double-digit increase in 80% of the country. Um, so I think you'll, you'll, you'll certainly see that continue as we have labor shortages. You see signs around help wanted, can't find workers, supply chains disrupting, and then of course, money remaining relatively inexpensive to, to borrow. Now housing is notable because it is typically a leading indicator of broader consumer trends. And so this year's jump in housing could signal a persistent inflation trend down the road. But while the latest numbers don't look very good in terms of inflation, Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary and Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, both are still insisting that this is temporary and it is linked to COVID-19. So we're just going to have to wait and see how much of that is actually true. Um, but notably, when this news came out, stock market futures fell and Bitcoin spiked. So is Bitcoin a hedge? It certainly looks like it on the chart. Um, so let's just talk about Bitcoin as a hedge, because that's what the, this whole conversation is about. It's just sort of a CYA with, with Bitcoin. And so, um, yeah, maybe other cryptocurrencies too, but Bitcoin is definitely the, um, the referred to the you know, digital gold and uh, being a great hedge against inflation, and and let's talk about why. So, Bitcoin is a peer-to-peer -peer online currency, and that means that all transactions happen directly between equal, independent network participants without the need for any intermediary intermediary to permit or facilitate them. So, Bitcoin was created, according to Nakamoto's own words, to quote allow online payments to be sent directly from one party to another without going through a financial institution. So peer-to-peer, -peer, but the, the main point is that there is no intermediary. So the adoption of Bitcoin and its technical advances have and continue to cause massive adoption of Bitcoin. So the fundamentals are there and the technical changes that have been made, the improvements, um, you can see them for yourself. It, this is what's so amazing that we have a financial system. Speaking of Bitcoin, we have a financial situ situation where how it works is completely open source. So there, there's literally a, a white paper that, that anyone can read. You just, just go to Bitcoin, bitcoin.org and, uh, you can read the white paper, see how it works, and any of the changes that are made, you can see there as well. So that is um, very different than having a central authority that just sort of, you know, behind closed doors figures out what's best. And maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, maybe there's some um, politics involved, maybe there's not. Um, most of those people making those decisions are not even elected officials. So um, quite the difference there. So with Bitcoin, it's reliable, it's consistent, and it's honest. So what is it hedging against? Clearly, 
it's hedging against inflation, but it's also hedging against wackos, unstable governments, paranoid leaders, cybersecurity threats. Um, so basically, it's it's uh, if you have roughly a million dollars and well, let's just say a million dollars, and then we've got this inflation that we're approaching is roughly 15%. And so that's not what it says on the CPI because they've taken out food and energy uh, for the core CP CPI and give, you know, so they can um, give you a smaller social security bump up, uh, which is tied to core CPI, but real inflation rate running around 15%. It just means that if you have a million dollars today, that million dollars in five years, is going to have the purchasing power of $522,000. And then in another five years, roughly, it'll be 200 and something, 250, 225, I don't know. But your, your purchasing power is just getting substantially eroded. Now the S&P 500, so you could put it into stocks and S&P 500 over the past 30 years yields about 14%, uh, but Bitcoin is growing at 171% since inception. So um, clearly it's uh, your, your, the amount that you need to hedge is going to be a hell of a lot smaller. Um, I wanted to take just a small break and point out two tweets that I think make a nice little... Um, counterpoint between the two. So uh, the first one tweet is from Dan Held. And he he puts, he says, these scam coins are getting crazy. Someone just shilled me, which in case you don't know, means that they're basically tricking him for lack of a better description. So he says, these scam coins are getting crazy. Someone just shilled me. 27 trillion supply, no supply cap, one node, 25% of supply minted in the last six months, 1% of holders own 30%. So he's basically warning to watch out for this particular cryptocurrency. Uh, but then at the end of it, he says, NVM, never mind, that's the US dollar. 27 trillion supply, no supply cap. They just print and print and print. One node, meaning central centralized authority making the decisions, and 25% of the supply minted in the last six months, and 1% of holders owning 30% of the US dollars. Um, and then we have a, another tweet from Bitcoin Archive that it just lists some names. It's, uh, the list says Tim Apple, Jack Dorsey, Elon Musk, Stan Druckenmiller, Bill Miller, Paul Tudor Jones, and more. All of these guys own Bitcoin. It's probably nothing. <laughs> so uh, that list could be a lot longer too, by the way. You could put Kathy Wood on there, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, so um, I think really what this boils down to is trust. Instead of non-elected official, non officials deciding when to print more money, or not, and trying to foresee the future through their personal lens, which may be colored by politics or their upbringing or who knows what. Um, 
Bitcoin provides a mathematically based alternative. So you don't have to trust it. And that is the important point is that it, it is trust by computation, if you will. No one actor is trusted and no one needs to be trusted. There is no central authority, but instead thousands of computers worldwide verifying every transaction before they are stamped onto a block. There is no trusted third party in a distributed consensus network. It's just distributed computers. And we can see what the supply is of the, the Bitcoin and what the maximum supply is. We can see how it's generated mathematically. And this is all 100% open source. So in fact, this peer-to-peer -peer open network white paper that I mentioned, um, you may want to just check it out. It's not even that long. It's bitcoin.org forward slash bitcoin.pdf. So it really is a decentralized information system, essentially, and it improves the quality of the financial system by taking it out of the hands of humans and turning it into an algorithm that can be uh, trusted and monitored and open source so that that uh, people who work on it can improve it. And so it's just it eliminates the fraud and and government interference. So if you need to keep you, that 1 million that I mentioned earlier from losing its purchasing power of in, over the next five to 10 years, um, because of the really high CAGR, the compound average growth rate of Bitcoin, you only need about 10 to 15% of your money to hedge out the inflation risk. So, um, or, or less, um, you, you could probably hedge at the rate that, Bitcoin is growing, you could put ten to $15,000 into Bitcoin. And at that type of growth rate, you could hedge against uh, the, the loss of half a million dollars if you just had a, it sitting in, in, in cash in this particular environment. So I think the real takeaway is that your assets need to be in hard assets. So gold is okay. We, we haven't talked about that very much. It, it does return over time 10.6%. Not bad. I'm certainly not opposed to investing in gold, which um, historically does trade inversely to equities, but it will take you a hell of a lot more uh, of an investment in gold to hedge against inflation than with Bitcoin. So bottom line is you want to own Bitcoin and you want to borrow US dollars or fiat. Thank you listeners. And if you did like this information and insight, please do subscribe, follow, and donate to help support the creation of more of these. Thank you for your patience. This is episode three. And so the quality will be improving and I appreciate your listening. Have a great weekend. I'm not going to do that.